Before we get started on this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef, I would very quickly like to say that this podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Alexa, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and pretty much everywhere that you can think of to listen to podcasts. So however you found us, thanks for tuning in. If you want to write to us, we do take the time to read and respond to everyone, and you can reach me at letstalkaboutchef at gmail.com, or you can follow me personally on Instagram at Chef Brian Clark. This week's episode is being brought to you by Buzzsprout, the world's easiest way to get your own podcast out to the world. If you have ever thought to yourself that you want to start your own show, now is the best time to get started and, like me, let Buzzsprout help you. They give you a web page, help you get listed in every major podcast directory, and also give you up-to-the-minute statistics that show you where your show is being listened to all over the world. You can try out Buzzsprout for free for 90 days just by going to buzzsprout.com. And now, let's get right into this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef. The letter that Giuseppe and Tochi had received days earlier was like something out of a movie. Each letter had been individually cut out of magazines and newspapers and glued one by one onto a white sheet of paper. It said, you will end with your throat cut. By this point, Giuseppe had gotten used to death threats. The Italian mafia had been openly threatening him for weeks, and word of the desire of the mob to kill him had gotten back to his team, who took the warnings very seriously, making sure that whenever he was driving, it was in an armored car, and he was always to be escorted by the police everywhere. On a warm May day in 2016, he was being escorted by the police through a protected area of northern Sicily. He was riding alone in the back of the armored car, looking at the scenery go by the bulletproof glass. He had just left a meeting. As the car rounded a winding corner and suddenly came to a screeching halt, the police both in front and behind the car also came to a stop. Getting out of their cars and looking at the road ahead, they could see it was covered in rocks. Huge boulders had fallen down from the mountain above and smashed into the road, blocking the path of the convoy. They were going to have to turn around one by one on the narrow road. Maybe it was Mother Nature, Antochi thought. Rocks had been known to fall from the cliffs every now and then, but never this many. And it was quiet. The only sound came from the idling engines and the muffled voices of the police coming through the sealed windows. And then... The Sicilian Mafia had loosened the rocks blocking the road, and from the hills above, torrents of bullets came pouring down onto the car where Intochi was sitting. As the police returned fire, the gun battle raged on for a few minutes before stopping again to deafening silence. Despite the hundreds of bullets that had peppered his car, Intochi was still alive. Terrified, but still alive. We have all seen The Godfather. We have all seen Mafia movies that show scenes just like this one. Usually the mob will try and take out rival gangs, rival leaders of other mob families. But Intochi was neither of those things. He wasn't a gangster, and he wasn't even an important political figure like a president or a mayor. He was a small-time politician who had passed a law that would block millions of dollars in subsidies to farmland owned by the mafia. The drug-dealing, casino-owning, and racketeering image that we have in our heads of the mob doesn't really exist anymore. 
Police technology has made it almost impossible to commit the same types of crimes that the mob started out doing. But when the economic crisis in the early 2000s hit Italy, the Mafia had a great idea. Instead of selling drugs and dealing in prostitution, both avenues of crime that do make a lot of money, but have high risks of being caught, why don't we just buy farms? On these farms, we can grow and make and sell the one thing that everybody in the world uses every day and loves. We can take this one thing and say it's of the highest quality, when really it's the lowest possible quality that could still be passed off as the original. We could make billions. And they are. Chances are you have their product in your home. You see it every time you go to the grocery store. And in every single restaurant, chefs are worshipping and cooking with it every single day. Every year, the most feared organized crime organizations in the world, like the Camorra, the Cosa Nostra, and even the Dringhetti, are making $22 billion selling you the one thing that despite its label extolling the virtues of the quality of its product, over 80% of it is fake. Olive oil. This week on Let's Talk About Chef, we are talking about the crimes, money, and absolute control of the Agro Mafia. The first pressing of extra virgin olive oil every spring is something that makes chefs around the world start to salivate thinking about. Real olive oil, the really good stuff, is magical. It's amazing. To have that first pressing and to anticipate this year's harvest is akin to looking forward to the year's first truffles, or when the game meat season starts. Olive oil from Italy is gold. And although as you walk the aisles of your favorite grocery store or open the box of cases of this imported oil from Italy, that all say the words extra virgin on them, in truth, only the first pressing of the season is actually extra virgin olive oil, and chances are the oil you're holding in your hands and using in your food was made by the mob. We all love olive oil, to drizzle over pasta or to dip bread into at the table. It's an amazing substance that has been around for a very, very long time. The first archaeological evidence shows that olives were first turned into olive oil by 6000 BC. That's 8,019 years ago. References to olive oil have been found throughout history for millennia, but although we usually use it for eating, it has also been used throughout human history for medicinal cures, or to anoint kings and Olympians. Even Homer, the Greek philosopher and poet, called it liquid gold. By as early as 3000 BC, the olive was farmed and harvested in Crete, with special ships being built to be able to store its valuable oil in its holds. It's assumed that the olive oil trade was one of the reasons the ancient Greeks were so wealthy. As their empire spread, they took olives with them, not wanting to go without the golden oil, and so the olive trees that used to only grow in a small region around Greece can now be found all over Spain, Italy, and North Africa. As time went on and people began going further into the unknown world, they took the olives with them. 
The first olive trees were carried from Spain to the West Indies on boats, and then on to Peru, Mexico, and even finally landing in America. Humans loved and depended so much on olive oil that the tree that used to be only found in that small region of Greece can now be found on literally every continent in the world. There are even olive groves growing wild in Japan, trees that grew from seeds brought over from some of the first explorers to the country hundreds of years ago. People have always loved olive oil, and people are willing to pay a lot of money for the real Italian stuff, the old world oil, the extra virgin first season oil. And where there is a demand, there is usually crime. Italy is known and revered all over the world for its food. The rich history and culture of Italian cuisine is one of the reasons that so many of us have been or want to go to the country. Every year, millions of tourists travel to Italy, and while they are vacationing, eating in restaurants, and buying wine to bring home, pretty much no one realizes that they are giving their money directly to the mafia. The mafia owns around 5,000 restaurants in Italy. Restaurants are a great way to launder money, and a great way to use the products that the mafia makes. At some point not too long ago, the Mafia started to manufacture and sell food all over Italy and the world. You might be asking yourself why. The answer, as always, is money. Take cocaine, the drug that the Mafia used to sell a lot of. It has a markup of around 300% profit. The olive oil that the gangsters are making diluting with chemicals like chlorophyll and other pesticides and then turning around and selling has a markup of around 2,000%. Not only does the mob now own the olive oil companies, they also own the distribution networks, the trucks and transportation that bring the products to the grocery stores and restaurants that they also own. With so much money being made from olive oil, the mafia decided to start making and adulterating other products as well, like mozzarella that was made from cheap cow's milk, not buffalo milk, and then they make it white by soaking it in detergent or buying up huge quantities of cheap wine and then repackaging them with the labels of expensive and revered wines. Even bread and pasta aren't safe from adulteration of the mob. Again, the profit margins are so massive on food that when you sell something as a high-quality product when it's actually garbage, you make even more money. Restaurants that the Mafia don't own in Italy are finding themselves in another set of problems. They get visited by gang members, just like in the movies who tell them that if they don't buy the Mafia's products like olive oil and cheese, bad things will happen to them. And they do. Over the last decade, countless restaurants have had their windows broken, cars set on fire, even the restaurants themselves being burned to the ground, if the owners don't agree to carry the products that the Mafia makes. The thing you have to remember is that in Italy, the Mafia still controls and runs most of your day-to-day -day life. They are still everywhere and people who have grown up under the shadow of these crime families for generations know how to follow the rules. It's just a way of life. You pay the mob to be able to have your own businesses, and that's how it's always worked. There is, of course, also the problem that the mob themselves aren't going to be farming the fields and picking the olives from the trees on their farms. That is a job for migrants, and authorities in Italy estimate that around 100,000 people are currently working for next to no pay in near-slave-like conditions so that the olive oil can be made. Over the last six years, over 1,500 migrants have died in the fields. Some of these deaths are from poor nutrition, exposure to the elements while they get worked to death in the height of the harvest season, and some are from murder, workers being shot by the gang leaders for protesting their working conditions. 
When the migrants aren't working, they all live in shanty towns with no running water or electricity. The Italian authorities suggest that over 70 of these shanty towns exist all over the country, far from cities and hidden in rural areas near the mob-owned farms. All of this is happening right now, every day in Italy. The authorities in Italy are of course doing everything they can to try and stop the Agro Mafia. Hundreds of policemen and specialized food units of the Italian military spend their time catching these criminals who are selling fake food. Just a few months ago, one of these specialized teams was able to capture over $2 million in fake oil that was being shipped to New Jersey. This fake oil, although the label claimed it was extra virgin, was actually sesame oil that had been colored green with the help by adding a few drops of chlorophyll to each bottle, which can instantly turn the liquid inside the exact same gold and vibrant green of the real expensive olive oil. Chlorophyll is the chemical found in plants that makes them turn green, and can be extremely toxic if you swallow too much of it. The other fact that the seed-based oil was being passed off as olive oil means that anyone with a seed allergy that ingested the fake oil would suffer from allergy attacks and possibly die. Every four hours, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, one of the organized crime syndicates commits an offense against the environment. From dumping toxic chemicals in protected areas, to using illegal pesticides on their tomato fields and vineyards, to even setting fire to over 150,000 acres of protected land so that it could be sold and then used as farmland for their illegal crops, the Mafia is destroying the environment, all so that we can buy and use Italian ingredients in our restaurants and at home in our kitchens. The famed Italian author Roberto Saviano, who wrote the book Gomorra, a chilling look at an investigative journalism that exposed the modern ways of the Camorra crime family, has been living under police protection since 2006. He has said that coffee, water, fruit, bread, milk, meat, cheese, and even biscuits, not just olive oil, are all products of organized crime. The breadbasket of the Camorra and the Costa Nostra touches every aspect of a typical day of an ordinary citizen. Every gesture, from the first thing we do in the morning until dinner, may enrich the clans without our knowledge. But sadly, we have all forgotten. The clan's impact has been forgotten, removed, erased from the collective memory. No one even remembers when this phenomenon started. It is so common now, like a faraway ghost. 
This episode of Let's Talk About Chef is being brought to you by The New Yorker magazine. Do you want the best journalism, writing, stories, the best magazine in the world delivered right to your door? Well, now you can get it for $6 for 12 weeks. That's 50 cents a week to get The New Yorker magazine delivered right to your front door. To take advantage of this special limited time offer that also gives you online access to all of its archives and back catalog issues, go to newyorker.com. And now, back to the show. Some folks like to get away, take a holiday from the neighborhood. Hop a flight to Miami Beach or to Hollywood. But I'm taking a Greyhound on the Hudson River line. I'm in a New York state of mind. The reason that this is so important, the reason that I am talking about this epidemic on a show that is supposed to be fun and about chefs, is for one very simple reason. The olive oil that was in my cupboard when I first started researching this story was made by the mafia. The olive oil that I have used in restaurants throughout my career was made by the mafia. I have been unknowingly giving money, a lot of money, to a criminal organization that is killing people killing the environment, and making billions of dollars every single year. I was a massive part of the problem. Companies that have been found with adulterated oil presenting themselves as true extra virgin include Carapelli, Mazzotta, Pompeian, Mazzola, Prima Donna, Colavita, Sasso, Whole Foods, Safeway, Coricelli, Star, and one of the most popular olive oils in the world, Bertoli. Bertoli is the oil that I had in my cupboard at home and at work. It is currently being sold in the grocery store down the road from my house and can be found for sale in Canada at Loblaws, Zares, Metro, Walmart, Sobeys, No Frills and can be easily ordered from Amazon. We need to be more diligent. We need to pay more attention to what we are buying and what we are using every day. Something as seemingly innocent and delicious as the olive oil we buy has a dark and scary origin. The only way we can fight back against these horrendous crimes as consumers and as chefs is by not buying them anymore. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef. It was written by me and produced by Timothy McDonald. I want to thank Buzzsprout and The New Yorker magazine for letting me talk about them this week. I want to give this week's shout out to The Flying Pig in Gastown, Vancouver, British Columbia. If you are in Vancouver, please go check them out and say hello from us. If you want to write to the show for any reason at all, you can reach us at letstalkaboutchef at gmail.com or you can follow me personally on Instagram at chefbrianclark. We are back next Thursday with another brand new episode of Let's Talk About Chef. And so until then, as always... I'm Brian Clark, have a great service, and have a great week. Why do you whisper green grass? Why tell the trees? 
is what a soul whispering grass the trees don't have to know no no why tell them all your secrets who kissed there long ago whispering grass the trees don't need 